Good morning. It's <laughs> a polite young lady. <clears throat> so, how many of you want to be ruled by tyrants? You know, just we've got a line out back for sign-ups. Anybody want to be ruled by a tyrant? No? Okay, good. Then I've got you. How many of you like anarchy? I actually had somebody in the first service raise their hand. Give me some adjectives to describe the feelings that come up within you when you hear the word anarchy. Uncertainty. Disorder. Rebellion. Chaos. Fear. Russia. Is that what you said? Suppression. Oh. Tyrant, anarchy. Oh, no. You, you were lagging behind. You were thinking about tyrants. Yeah, suppression. What else? Lawlessness. Okay. Mob rule. How many of you think you'd like to live in those circumstances? Anarchy. Uh, how many of you like authority? When you're not in it. Let me try that again. How many of you like authority when you're not in it? Okay, good. How many of you like authority when you have it? Everybody raises their hand. There's connections between everything I'm talking about. Tyranny, anarchy, authority. Because you will be under authority. That's just a law of the universe. You will be under authority. You cannot avoid it. Nature abhors a vacuum and it abhors a vacuum of authority. And when there's a vacuum of authority, it gets filled quickly. It'll be filled by good people or evil people, but it will be filled and therefore there will always be authority. The question is, what kind of authority? So for those of you who are still trying to dispense with authority, I'm telling you, you're on a fool's errand. You cannot live in an authority-less environment or culture or existence. It's just not going to happen. Authority is here to stay everywhere. I mean, even nature has its rules. Try to jump out of a 50-story building and see if you can defy the authority of gravity. Try to survive at 30,000 feet without breathing apparatus and see if you can defy the authority of of physics and oxygen and so on. Try to survive underwater for more than 10 minutes without breathing apparatus and defy the authority of physics again. Authority is everywhere. Authority is in people. Authority is in nature. 
God has governed this world and made this world to function on the basis of authority. And all that authority is subsumed under the one who's in complete authority, and that is God himself. So you can't escape authority. The question then becomes, what kind of authority do I want? Do I want genuine, compassionate, considerate, gentle, ethical, moral, just, pure, righteous, gracious, merciful, honorable authority? Or do I want all the opposites? You will be under authority. I will be too. It's not a matter of who gets to be in authority and who's under authority. Everybody is under authority except God. He is the supreme authority. And even God is under the authority in a sense of his own nature because he cannot be other than he is. And he's good and just and holy and righteous and pure. And he cannot change. And so he will be who he is at all times forever. So what does it have to do with Mother's Day? Well, I, I say that mothers and fathers and the home is a microcosm of everything else you're going to experience as a person in this world and in the world to come. And if you don't get the home right, it's going to be harder to get everything else right. It is possible to have a bad family life and then go on to live a successful, meaningful, productive, godly life. We see that in Joseph. He had a bad family life. (laughs) Eleven brothers that want to kill you. I mean, how, how dysfunctional is that? But it's not easy to overcome the gravity of a bad home. The tug and the pull of a poor mother or a poor father or both. But it's possible. With God, all things are possible. And God is the great rescuer. He can rescue us out of the worst and most dire circumstances and set our feet up on a rock and we can have a good life. But in general principles, if you don't learn to get it right at the family level, then you're going to be hindered from that point on in all other relationships. So in the family, God gives us an experiment. And that experiment is we are going to learn Uh, at least one thing, if not many more things, but one of them is we're going to learn to be honor givers. Honor givers. It's, It's basic training for learning how to give honor. And giving honor is all throughout the Bible. The first thing that we're to give honor to is God. God is above all things and deserves all honor and and, and devotion and dedication. But right after God tells us to honor him, he says to honor what? Your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. Now, honoring your mother and father when you're young means obeying them. Unless they ask you to disobey God. When you're older, it doesn't mean obeying them, but it means honoring their person, honoring their memory, honoring them in your speech, in your conduct, in your attitudes in your words, even if they're not honorable people. I I am fortunate, and my brother Mike is too, to come from a family where it's easy to honor our mother and father. It's easy. Because 
there's not a whole lot of bad things I can say about my mother and father. In fact, I can't think of any. They're not perfect. No one is. They had their faults, but, but nothing that would embitter us, nothing that would make us um, despise them or, or make us uh, exasperated or bitter toward them. So it's easy for me to honor my mother and father because they were very honorable and are. My mother's still alive. But as a pastor, I've counseled many people over the years whose families are not as honorable as mine was and is. And uh, have, have, they have mothers that are difficult and fathers that are harsh. And, you know, you could name all the different kinds of difficulties that mothers can impose upon the family or fathers can impose upon the family and make it dysfunctional to one degree or another. So what are we called to do in those circumstances? Are, are we to only honor the parents, our mother and father, fathers who are honorable or even those who are not honorable? Well, the Bible doesn't stipulate that we only reserve, reserve, we only reserve honor for the honorable. It says to honor your mother and father, and it never gives a clarification or a, a, uh, an exception to that. It says, honor your mother and father. You know Romans 13, it says, honor those in authority, because all authority is ordained by God. So, God gives you the first place to honor Him by honoring your mother and father. And in essence, what God is saying is this. I want to see if you're able to honor the authorities I put closest to you. Because that authority that I placed in your life, however difficult, however dysfunctional, however problematic, however harsh they are, however unfair they may be, however irresponsible they may, they may be, I'm still calling you to honor them. Because I put them in your life, and I put them in your life for a reason, and your honor to them is an honor to me. That's the way it works. So how does anarchy and tyranny uh, fit into this whole subject of honor. Well, there are those who, who think they want anarchy because they don't want to be under anyone's control. They don't want to be under anyone's authority. And yet, once they have defied all authorities and that defiance sweeps across a culture where everyone is defying authority and eventually what happens is anarchy, something strange happens in that context the very same people who were saying, we don't want any authority, we don't want any authority, when anarchy shows up, cry out for authority to bring back order. Because there's one thing worse than bad authority. Disorder. We will take order over disorder, even if that order is dysfunctional. That's why in the late 30s, when Germany was having difficulties, Hitler persuaded the people that he could put everything back in order. And so they elected and chose a leader who was a despotic, tyrant dictator. In fact, a genocidal maniac. And they said, we want him. 
because he'll restore order. And he did. But at what price? So if you won't be, if you, if you won't come under the control of honorable men, you will come under the control of tyrants. But you will be under someone's authority. You will be under someone's control. And um, William Penn put it this way. He said, if thou wouldst rule well, he told this to Peter the Great, the Tsar of Russia. If thou wouldst rule well, thou must rule for God. And to do that, thou must be ruled by him. Now, here's the point I want you to take away. Those who will not be governed by God will be governed by tyrants. And there are people in our culture, in every culture, who says, well, I don't want to be ruled by anybody. Okay, ready? That's not even an option. That's not even an option. You say, oh, yes, it is. I'll be ruled by me. That's the worst tyrant. William Federer, a writer of American history, said this, a person will be controlled either voluntarily from the inside or forcefully from the outside. Our government was designed to govern people who could govern themselves. The less internal restraints a populace has, listen to this, the less internal restraints a populace has, the more external restraints it will demand. The the displacing of traditional morality with the encouragement to experiment and follow one's passions is a precursor to anarchy. Then, despotic tyranny. Nobody wants to be led by a tyrant. But that's where it ends up if you won't be led by God. And if you won't be led by God and good people, you'll be led by tyrants. Because you will, you will, you will be led. So who do you want to be led by? Pastor Ebenezer Bridge said, The supreme ruler and governor of the universe hath so adjusted things in the moral world that order and government are necessary for advancement of his own glory and promoting the good of his rational, intelligent creatures. And it is very obvious that anarchy and confusion must terminate in the destruction of men's lives as well as of their liberty and property. Now, you think I'm preaching about government today, don't you? But I'm not. Well, yes, I am. The government of the home. And I want to talk to you this morning about honoring your mother and father, but especially your mother, being that it is Mother's Day. And I want us to go over several verses because in my experience as a counselor, I deal with people of all kinds in terms of their relationships with their parents. I deal with families whose parents were much like mine, and therefore there's a healthy, appreciative gratitude for their parents, and therefore um, most of the things they have to say about their parents are are encouraging and and, uh, uplifting. But more often than not, I deal with people who 
who don't have that kind of upbringing, don't have that kind of blessing in their lives, and they're bitter, they are angry, they're still exasperated at an older age with their parents. They may be in their 30s or their 40s, but they still have this hostility in their heart for their parents because of unresolved issues in their upbringing, in their childhood. And it's hard for them to honor their mother and their father because of those very reasons. But what ends up happening uh, is that as I'm counseling these folks, I listen. And I listen for several things. One, I listen for vocabulary. How do they describe their mother and father? What words do they use? What adjectives? What nouns? And then I listen for tone. What tone of voice do they speak with when they talk about their mother and father? Is it derogatory? Is it condescending? Is it pejorative? Is it disrespectful? Is it bitter? And many times it is. And I might not say anything the first session, but by the second session, if I keep detecting this this bitter, condescending, derogatory, pejorative, sarcastic tone coming from their mouth about their parents, even if it's true what they're describing, I talk to them about it and I say, listen, here's what I want you to do. Do you want it to go well with you? Well, of course, Pastor. Why do you think I'm here? It's not going well for me. And you want it to? Yes. Do you want to live a long life? They look at me like a cow at a new gate. You don't know what that means? Duh. I say, no, do you want to live a long life? Well, of course, who doesn't, Pastor? Okay, then stop talking about your mother the way you're doing that. What? Those words you use to describe her are not honoring. The tone you're using while talking about her is not honoring. The adjectives you use are not honoring. The nouns you use are not honoring. Your attitude is not honoring. But my mother is one, two, three, four, five, six. I said she may be. But you're still to honor her. You're not to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and ignore what's wrong with her and her faults and her shortcomings. I'm not asking you to, 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 to be dishonest with yourself or with your family. But what I'm saying to you is you can criticize your mother respectfully. You can criticize your mother honorably. You can criticize your mother factually, but it should never be derogatorily or condescendingly or in any kind of bitter, hateful way that tears her down in other people's eyes. And we all know how to do that. You know how come we know how to do that? Because that's how we want other people to describe our faults. We know we have our own faults, but how many people want to say... He is the biggest jerk I've ever seen in my life. And I can't stand him. I can't stand the ground he walks on and I spit every time he walks by. You don't like him, do you? (laughs) Think you could describe him in another way? (laughs) You think there's another way you could describe him? 
Yeah, you could, you, could, you could express all of those sentiments in a, in a respectful, honorable way and still be true to what's going on in your relationship but not be dishonoring. I've had people use expletives to describe their parents that I could never repeat. And I, I asked them, I want you to try something. I've done this at least a dozen times. I want you to try something for me and it's not going to make all your troubles go away. It's not going to make your relationship with your parents what it always should have been and and it's not going to heal the wounds between you and your mother or your father. But this is what I want you to do. From now on, when you talk to anybody about your mother or your father, you will not use dishonorable language. You will not use dishonorable attitudes and tone of voice and words that are condescending, pejorative, and derogatory because God placed her in your life. You think God made a mistake? God doesn't make mistakes. So he put her in your life to shape you and you say, well, yeah, she shaped me, all right. I'm twisted and I'm bent and I'm fractured and I'm wounded and I'm, boy, talk about twisted. I'm one twisted pretzel because of my mom. Okay, maybe you needed to be twisted so that you'd trust God more. Maybe you needed to be twisted so that you'd rely on God more. Maybe you needed those difficulties because it would cause you to run to God. I I can't get into God's mind and say exactly why he gave you the mother he gave you. But I know one thing, he gave you the mother he gave you. And he didn't say, if I give you a really great mother, honor her. And if I don't, don't honor her. He said, honor your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. Now, I want you to do that. I want you to refrain from all dishonoring tone and talk and words and attitudes. And find a way to truthfully describe and express your frustrations with your parents without all of that other stuff. My mom was difficult. That's respectful. My mom didn't understand me. That's respectful. My mom didn't always live up to the standards she held up for us. That's respectful. My dad sometimes was hypocritical and sometimes required more of us than we were able to to perform. That's respectful. You see, you can do it. And I know some of you are writhing in your seats right now because you're thinking, he doesn't know my mom. He doesn't know my mother. No, but I've met your mom and your dad in a hundred different counseling sessions because somebody else has a mom or dad like you. And so I say, would you do this for me for a month? And without fail, every single one of them has come back to me after a month and said, my, there is a weight in my heart and on my shoulders that has been lifted that I haven't felt for Years. Now, why is that? Because God honors those who honor Him. And one of the first places you honor God is in your home to your parents. Even when you're an adult child and your parents don't live with you anymore, 
You are required by God until you die to honor your mother and father with your speech, with your attitudes, with your vocabulary, with your tone, with the whole thing. You can be honest, but you cannot be dishonorable. You cannot. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Notice the footnote, if they're good fathers and mothers. Is that in your Bible? No, I didn't see that either. Leviticus 19.3, Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20, verse 9. If there is anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood guiltiness is upon him. You say, how could God make a rule like that? I mean, if you don't make your bed, you're supposed to be stoned to death? No, this was not reserved for petty offenses. This was reserved for children who were incorrigible. Do you know what incorrigible means? They will not come under the rule of anyone. Now, what is God thinking? Given my quote with William Penn, Ebenezer Bridge, and William Federer... What is God thinking to issue an edict like this that if a son or daughter will not come under the control of his parents, he's to be put to death? What's he thinking long term? What's God thinking? Better for this person to be out of the system than for this kind of activity to corrupt the whole system. Now, they didn't practice this this law very much in Israel. And I'm not saying they should have practiced it more. Or less. I'm just saying, why would God give a command like that? Because God knows that the whole fabric of the universe, besides his own sovereign control, is made up by what happens to the respect that happens in the home, because the respect or lack of respect that happens in the home will spread like cancer to the rest of the country and to the rest of the world. And you say, well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is anarchy. And the problem with anarchy is that it cries out for rule and order and it doesn't care what kind. If you think that, that your mother and father were oppressive, try Joseph Stalin. If you think your mother and father were demanding, try Idi Amin, Pol Pot, Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong. Because God is saying, if you don't learn to honor authority here where it's not overbearing, it's not unrealistic, it's not despotic, it's not tyrannical, if you can't learn to honor authority there, then that's where you're headed. Leviticus 20. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your your days may be prolonged and that it will go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Some of these counseling sessions, you know, by the way, I'm being careful not to mention names because in seminary they taught us this. If you want to completely cancel your counseling load, use your counselees as illustrations in your sermons. 
And nobody will come to you for counseling ever again. So I don't plan to mention any names or even give enough information for you to figure it out. I'm speaking very generically. But what I'm going to tell you is is that I've told people in those contexts I described earlier, is, it, is your life bad? Yes, it's bad. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Is it difficult? Yes, it's difficult. Is it, is it, a, is it tr- troublesome? Yes, is, and so on and so forth. Uh, would you like it more troublesome, more difficult, more dysfunctional? No. Then quit referring to your mother and father the way you've been referring to them. You see, honoring your mother and father doesn't mean your life's going to go great. It just means it will go worse if you don't. Or to put it another way, it doesn't mean your life is going to be wonderful, but it will be better if you honor them than if you don't honor them. God guarantees it. In fact, verse verse 16 of Deuteronomy 27 says, Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say... Amen. Cursed is he who dishonors. Why is that? Because there's two kinds of curses that come into the life of someone who will not honor his mother and father. The practical curse of just alienating your parents and having a dysfunctional relationship the rest of your life and the spiritual consequences of God saying, I will not bless you if you will not honor your mother and father. I didn't make up that word. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother. Now the positive side. Proverbs 20, 620. My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Proverbs 15, 20. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Now, I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hand, but I want you to stop and think for a moment. Search the inventory of your heart and ask, you this, ask yourself this question. Do I despise my mother? It takes a lot to despise your mother. I'm not saying dislike. I'm not saying does she get on your nerves. I'm not saying is she difficult. Is she sometimes hard to get along with? That, that's probably true of everyone's mother. I'm saying, ask yourself this question. Do I despise my mother? Well, the Bible says if you do, you're a fool. Not because you have bad judgment, but because you are not honoring her with your heart. Listen to me. Somebody asked me one time, several times, how do I know I've forgiven somebody? You know, the old, the, old, the old thought is, if you keep remembering it, you haven't forgiven. Well, that's a myth. Only God forgives and forgets. And even God doesn't lose his memory. He just chooses not to bring it up all the time. You cannot forget the faults that people commit against you, but you can choose not to bring them up. That's what it means to forget. And so people will, I'll talk to people about that, and they'll say, well, how do I know that I have forgiven? What sign is there that I know that I've forgiven? And my answer is, if you want to trust them again. 
You say, what does that mean? Let me, let me give you a dynamic that works with trust and forgiveness. Trust is something God demands us to give to others. As a free gift, like he gave it to us. But trust, I mean, forgiveness. Did I say trust? Forgiveness is something God demands that we give to other people as a free gift. But trust is something that's earned. So you might forgive somebody of something, let's say your mother, but you don't trust her. That's not, that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven her if you don't trust her. She may not be trustworthy. Her history may be a, a long-running record of untrustworthiness. So the Bible is not saying forgive and trust. Sometimes trust has to take a long time to develop after forgiveness has been extended because you can't trust them. They've shown themselves time and time again that they can't be trusted. And so you withhold trust, but you don't withhold forgiveness. And so it's not always easy to, to, to sort out in your mind. So people will ask, but how do I know I've really forgiven? In my heart, how do I know? And I ask them this question. Do you want to trust them again? I'm not saying, will you trust them tomorrow? Will you trust them the day after tomorrow? But is there ever a time where you want to be in a relationship with them where you can trust them again? And if they say, yes, you've forgiven them. But here's the other side of that coin. Do you want to trust them again? No. Then you haven't forgiven them. You see, it's not whether you can trust them that says whether or not you've forgiven them. It's whether you want to be able to trust them. You see, somebody who says, I don't even want to be able to trust them again. You are bitter and you have not forgiven. But somebody who says, you know, I, 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 I can't trust my mother. But I want to. That's a forgiving heart. I can't trust my son, but I want to. I can't trust my husband, but I desperately desire to trust him. But the person who says, I can't trust my son, and I hope I never can trust him. You are just bitter and you're carrying bitterness inside you, and it will eat you up. It will eat you from the inside out. The Bible says, let no root of bitterness take place in you. Why? Because what does a root turn into? A bush. And then a bush turns into a tree. And then a tree into a forest. And no wonder your life is in a mess. We've poisoned ourselves with unforgiveness. We've poisoned ourselves with bitterness. Someone has said that unforgiveness and bitterness is like a man who drinks poison and hopes the other person dies. Bitterness only kills you from the inside out. So it's a fool who despises his mother. Why? Because despising somebody is a sign of bitterness and bitterness when it's taking root will grow and grow and grow until... It destroys you. That's why you're a fool if you despise your mother. You say, well, how do I handle her? How do I deal with her? I mean, she's not the kind of mother any mother should be or the kind of mother that I thought I would have. 
You say, God, I don't know why you put her in my life, but I know one thing. I'm supposed to honor her. And I'm going to honor her because you said I should honor her. And I'm going to trust that even if she doesn't acknowledge that I've honored her and am honoring her, you will acknowledge it in my life. And he will. He will. I mean, what are your other options? You come from a dysfunctional family. Your mother was dysfunctional. Your father was dysfunctional. Now you're dysfunctional. And you want to make it worse by being dishonoring? You say, it can't get any worse. Oh, yes, it can. It can get a lot worse. Now, I'm not asking you to be an ostrich who sticks his head in the sand and says, my mother was good. My mother was precious. She was a precious thing. You know, my mother, my mother was generous. My mother was, you know, come on. We're not that naive. If your mother wasn't worthy of praise, we're not asking you to praise her. That's not the point of honoring. Honoring means that you don't speak ill against them in those kinds of words and tones and attitudes that are dishonorable. There's ways to properly criticize and critique your parents without being disrespectful and dishonoring. There are ways to do it. You know how I know that? Because every time you want to tell your boss something that you really think about him, you don't. And every time you want to send that first draft of the email, why is it you send draft four? Because after reading draft one, you say, I'll get fired. (laughs) After reading draft two, you say, I won't get a promotion. After reading draft three, you say, I'll never get tenure. Better send draft four. And you have taught yourself how to mitigate and modify what you're really thinking and really feeling and put it in honorable terms and still get your point across. You know why I know that? Because I only send draft four. <laughs> draft five might be even better, but about draft five, I'm back to draft one, so I got send draft four. He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. When do you need light? When it's dark, God. Why is it so dark in my life? Because I told you, he who dishonors his mother and father, his lamp will go out in dark times. You say, but God, I need a lamp in dark times. You shouldn't have put it out. And he says, no, you put it out by not honoring your mother and father. Well, God, you don't know. Oh, wait a minute. You do know. And that's the point. He does know. He's the one who set it up. He's the one who ordained it. He's the one who put you in that family. And he's teaching you something. You see, listen to me. Joseph was successful because he honored God 
in his dysfunctional family. And I don't think, I can't think of a more dysfunctional family than 11 of your siblings want you dead. And it didn't destroy Joseph. Do you know why? Because Joseph took all of that dysfunction and bitterness to God. And God honored Joseph because Joseph honored his family. And at the most opportune time when Joseph could have retaliated and and gotten vengeance, he says, I love you. I'm not in God's place. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. So listen to me, sons and daughters. Whatever your parents intended for evil, God intended for good. And the Bible says, Paul says on many occasions, thank God for everything. You say, why Why should I thank God for that? Because he's teaching you something. He is preparing you for the future. He is going to make you a better person from the lessons that you're having to learn in a dysfunctional family. If you give it to him by obeying him and honoring what he's asking you to do by honoring your parents, God will lift you up out of that mire and put your feet on a rock and he will not allow your bad mother or your bad father to ruin your life. Only you can ruin your life. It isn't what happens to me that ruins me. It's how I respond. And I and you and all of us who claim the name of Jesus have the ability to respond the right way every time. And that determines our destiny, not what other people do or don't do to us or for us. Now, what does this have to do with our modern culture? Well, how many of you have seen the dumb dad commercials? You know, dad can't do anything, so mom comes to the rescue and... And if mom can't do it, the 13-year-old kid can do it. Give me a break. Unless it's computers, that's wrong. I'll give him that one. I remember coming home from college, and this was about the time VCRs were popular, and everybody had VCRs, and you know, my dad had VCRs. He'd come home and He'd say, I'm glad you're home. What? Are you going to mow the grass or what? You know? I want you to program this remote. Dad, it's so simple. How'd you do that? And I used to think, I mean, it's not that hard. Now I'm handing my kids my iPhone. Would you program this? But on most other things, parents are wiser than their kids. Amen? 
Proverbs 30, 23 to 22. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Why did he have to say that? Why did he, why did he say, do not despise your mother when she is old? Let me tell you why. And we're all headed this direction. All of us. Mothers, the older they get, and I'm talking about elderly now, they become more demanding, more high maintenance, more needy, sometimes suffering from senility or dementia, which compounds the problems. In other words, we're all moving towards infancy once more if we don't die first. You understand that? If you live to be a ripe old age and you don't die before it happens, you are going to get senile. You're going to get cantankerous. You're going to become obstreperous. You're going to become a pain. You're going to become difficult. And as Joyce Landorf used to put it, you're going to become irregular. Isn't that right? Well, you say, I don't want to change diapers. Neither did your mother. I don't want to wipe runny noses. Neither did your mother. I don't want to feed my mom in a chair with a bib. Neither did your mother. And see, those kinds of... You know why? Why, why do we look at that? And I... I'm not saying everybody goes through that, but it's a temptation for everybody to go, why do we have to take care of it? Mom and Bobby take care of it. And, and you did it. Those of you who are in that place right now, you're going, I can't believe people would talk that way. You probably talked that way when your kids, when, you're, when your parents were elderly, you at least thought, oh, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to do this? And so you, you, you've got your life mapped out and you think, I, I got mountains to climb and beaches to, to, to walk and, and forests to wander through and deer to shoot and footballs to throw and kids to play, go to softball games. I don't have time to babysit my parents. Yes, you do. They babysit you. So he says... Do not despise your mother when she is old. Why? Because you're supposed to take care of her and it's difficult and it's hard, but it's honorable. Now, Mike and I can say we have an honorable mother and we have three honorable brothers who are taking care of her. And I know Mike and I wish we could be the ones taking care of her. But she understands that we have responsibilities. They live within five miles of her. So it most naturally and understandably falls to them. But I will forever be grateful. For the slack that my brothers took up. And what I couldn't do. Amy's dad is getting old. 
Well, 78 is not that old. It used to be really ancient, but I'm starting to think it's kind of young. And uh, we've invited him to come out and live with us. But you know, how do you leave your home of 60, 70 years? If my mom moved out here, just the loss of recollection of her home would kill her. She lived in the same house 60 years. It would kill her. I don't think it would kill your dad nearly as quickly because he's kind of a nomad. But even though he's a nomad, it's still home. Anybody resonating with me here? But we said we'd be honored to have you come live with us. And we mean it. Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs twenty three twenty five. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let them rejoice that they gave birth to you. Let them rejoice that they gave birth to you. I mean, you know, you think parents are bad. Sometimes kids are hard. This kind of goes both ways. Right now, it's our turn. Okay. Um, I remember watching a Johnny Carson episode one night, and, and uh, I forget the context, but somebody, one of the guests said, well, I'm having trouble with my son. Johnny Carson says, well, what are you going to do about it? He goes, well, I don't know, but the kid told me the other night, he goes, I didn't ask to be born. Johnny Carson said, I would have told him, it's a good thing you didn't. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't ask, because I would <laughs> So, here's the point. Let your father and your mother rejoice that they gave birth to you. Proverbs 28, 24. He who robs his father or his mother and says it is not a transgression is the companion of a man who destroys. There's a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. Proverbs thirty seventeen, The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. God is serious about this. In the New Testament period of history, there was a practice that had come about that allowed a loophole. Everybody likes loopholes when it comes to money. And the loophole was this. Everybody in the Jewish community knew that when they were old, when their parents grew old, they were, have, they were supposed to take care of their parents. Everybody knew that. But that meant money. I'm going to have to spend some of my retirement money. I'm going to have to spend some of my pension. I'm going to have to spend some of that nest egg. Oh, how could I get all the... Is there a loophole? Well, the scribes and the Pharisees developed a loophole. It was called Korban. And it went like this. If you could find a way to devote your money to God, then by all means you couldn't use it for your parents. I mean, what? You're going to rob God to take care of your parents? It's unthinkable. So I'm going to devote this money to God. Now I don't have to spend it on my parents. Korban. Jesus said this 
regarding that, promise, that, that practice. Matthew 15, 4. For God has said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would have helped you has been given to God, he is not to honor his father or his mother. And Jesus responded, And by this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. In other words, what God was saying is this. You, you claim that you can't take care of your parents because you've devoted this money to me. Well, let me put you on notice. The way you devote that money to me is to take care of your parents. You want to devote your money to me? Go home and take care of your parents. Well, that would cramp my lifestyle. You don't think you didn't cramp theirs? Come on, guys. Right? How many of you have said, we need a weekend away from the kids? All of us have said that. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing to do. Take care of your wife. Take care of your husband. But we get on each other's nerves, right? Parents get on the kids' nerves and kids get on the parents' nerves. Now, I want to share something with you that is not a brag. It's just a suggestion because it is yet to be seen whether or not it has going to bear long-term fruit. But short-term fruit we've seen. And that is when tension in the house is such that you can tell the kids are misbehaving in part, not just because they're kids, but because they're, they've got an issue with you. You ever sense that? Come on. Come on, parents. Moms probably are more sensitive to this than, than dads. But you just feel the tension in the relationship. And it's not just because they didn't make their bed or they didn't you know, clean, mop the floors. There's something more there that it's just they're, they're frustrated with you. You ever felt that? You cut it with a knife, right? And truth be known, you're frustrated with them. It's about a relationship. It's not just, why didn't you do this? You should have done this. I told you to do this. You didn't do this. It's, it's, I got an issue with you, mom. How do you tell your mom, I got an issue with you and still honor her? And if you don't tell her you have an issue with her, you just carry it and you bury it and you get bitter and resentful, and it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And I, unless I'm, this is a Mother's Day sermon, that's why I use mom as an illustration. So I use dad as an illustration now. Dad, the problem is not mowing the grass. Dad isn't, the problem is not feeding the animals. The problem is I got an issue with you, dad. How do you tell your dad that without being disrespectful? And if you don't tell him that, how do you get relief? How do you let off the pressure and the steam and, 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 and you turn it inside because you want to be honorable and respectful and you get embittered and you get frustrated and exasperated. And the Bible says not to exasperate your children. There has to be an outlet. There has to be an outlet where the kids can take their concerns to you about you. Inasmuch as a subordinate officer in the military will say to his superior, permission to speak, Frankly, sir, now a good leader will say what? Permission granted respectfully. And the subordinate will 
tell the superior officer what he thinks, but how does he tell him? You better be respectfully. It may be the last time you get to open your mouth in this man's army. And so the subordinate says, Sir, with all due respect, you're too hard on the men. How do you figure that? Well, sir, you require things of them that you won't do yourself. And they resent it. Sir, a leader does what he asks his followers to do, and you're not doing it. Respectfully submitted, sir. Thank you. Duly noted. And then if it's true, what should the superior officer start to do? Do what he expects his subordinate officers to do because in Christianity, the moral expectations of the kids are the same as the moral expectations of the parents. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Parents, if you require your kids to say please, you say please. Say, well, I'm the parent. I don't need to say please. Pass the potatoes, please. No, you say pass the potatoes, please. If you require your kids to say thank you when they've done something that deserves a thank you, you should say thank you. When you ask your kids to say excuse me when they've done something they didn't intend to do, but it's bothered, bothersome, you say excuse me when you do the same. It's called consideration. It's called being considerate. It's being called, it's a, it's, it levels the playing field in terms of morality and ethics. The playing field is never level in terms of authority. Do you understand the difference? You're still in charge. You're still in authority. You're not giving them authority. You still have the authority when you're allowing them to speak frankly, sir. But you're not superior to them in ethics and morality. You're only superior to them in authority. So when they see you doing things that you won't let them do, and I'm not talking about driving cars at 13 and you're driving, I'm, not, I'm talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about matters of principle. When they see you doing things that you won't allow them to do or not doing things that you demand that they do in terms of ethics and principles, you know what they think? You're a hypocrite. So we have started to practice in our home. It's only been over the last year. When we sense that there is tension in the air between us, we sit around in the living room and I call the family together and I say, look, I can tell that something is going on between you kids and us. Maybe it's between you and mom. Maybe it's between you and me. Maybe it's between you two and us. Kate's married now, so she's out of that loop. Eric can take care of that one. <laughs> he has to sit her down and say, I can sense you're going to be trouble with me. And, you know, my kids may come to you after church and say, it doesn't work. I don't think they will. But what we do is we say, you can tell us what, you're hurt, what, what problems you have with us. If we're being hypocritical, if we're, being, if we're, if we're living a double standard, if we're, if we're being exasperating, or if we're uh, ugly towards you, we're, we're condescending, we're... Ungodly. Ungodly. 
I mean, aren't parents supposed to be godly to their children? Why does it just children have to be godly to their parents? So, for the next ten minutes, you are free to tell us what your problems are with us, but it has to be respectful. You're not going to get punished if we don't like what you say, but you will receive punishment if we don't like the way you say it. And there's no underhanded penalties either where I'll get you later. (laughs) We are sincerely giving you this time to check in with us and let us know how we're doing. And what, what, what we're looking for is not, well, we wish you wouldn't make us get up at six and make our beds. And we wish you wouldn't make us do the chores. That's not even on the... No, I'm talking about, what about my character and my activities and my attitudes are not godly? That's what I want to hear from you. And then your mom gets her turn. And then we ask for forgiveness. And then we set about to try to do better the next time. Now, why do I recommend that? I think it it sort of lets off steam before it has a chance to build too much. And if it's done in a respectful way, I think it's honorable. It's parents honoring their children and it's children honoring their parents because I think the alternative is dangerous. The, the alternative is, I'm just going to just hold it in because I can't stand my mom and I can't stand my dad. But I've got to be honorable. And I'm going to be honorable, gritting my teeth and my tongue's going to bleed and my lips going to bleed and I'm going to just hate it, but I'm going to honor them. Well, God will bless you for that. He will. But why should you have to live with that kind of tension? So you know what I want? And I'm telling you this, Annie and Molly. I want an open line of communication between me and my kids so they can tell me, Dad, you're a hypocrite. Because sometimes I am. And you know what? You can't hide it. Your kids know you better than most people. So why run from that truth? Why run from that exposure? Let them have that time to tell you what's on their heart. If they don't, they're going to tell some counselor 20 years from now. And they're going to have built up so much bitterness over that last 20 years that only God could fix them. Keep the lines of communication open between you and your kids and you'll make it easier for them to honor you. Be vulnerable without losing control. Be vulnerable without giving up your authority. We're not letting them decide who's doing the chores now. We're not letting them just plan the family vacation. We're not letting them decide what next, what's the next car we're going to buy or what kind of house we're going to live in. But we're letting them say, this is where I'm struggling with you, Mom. This is where I'm struggling with you, Dad. And you know what? It's been early, so it's hard to tell, but 
in the times that we've done it, I've seen the tension in the house just go from 100 to 20. I mean, how many of you want an outlet yourself? You're an adult. You want, you want redress. You want to be able to say, you know, that guy that stood outside the window, I'm mad as you and I'm not going to take it anymore. That guy had to have some relief. Remember that movie? What was that? Network? I'm mad as you know what and I'm not going to take it anymore. Where was all that? Where was all that coming from? The heart, but I mean, where, where did it come from? Where did all that tension come from? Somebody who never had an outlet. What does God say to us? Look, look at some of the prayers that, that he inspired his people to write to him. God, why are you doing this? What are you up to? What's the big deal? Of course, they, they wrote those words respectfully. But God was vulnerable that way. He, let, he wrote prayers that allowed his people to ask him difficult questions. It didn't wound his pride for his people to say, I don't understand God. What are you doing? And of course, being God different from us, he didn't do anything wrong. And yet he was willing to be exposed by letting his people ask questions because they didn't understand what he was doing. How much more should we who or whose feet are made with clay and have sinful natures be more willing to be exposed and let our kids respectfully, respectfully and lovingly say, Mom and Dad, this is what we struggle with, with you guys. And you know what? If you're, if you're not sure your kids are right, ask your wife, do they got this right? Okay. And it works the other way. Kids, Andy, are they right? Sometimes I don't go with it. Sometimes she doesn't agree with them. But you've got to work that out. You've got to say, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's ask for forgiveness. And let's start over. You may have to do that a thousand times in your parenting. But I think it's worth it. Will it turn out great kids? Not necessarily. Will it eliminate all bitterness? Not necessarily. Will it eliminate all frustration and exasperation? Not necessarily. I think it will reduce all of those things, though. And you'll make it easier for your kids to honor you at any age. Now, I want you to stand with me if you are a mother. I'm not a mother, but you can stand. Sons and daughters and husbands, honor these women. Honor these women. Now, if you are a son or a daughter, stand. Son or a daughter. Now, Beth Yoakum told me in the first place, don't forget to honor the great-grandparents. <laughs> and the great-great, and the great-great, and the great-great. Okay? Now, I can't make you do this. Only your heart can cooperate if it's really wanting to. But let's take a pledge 
before God to do away with derogatory, condescending language and attitudes and vocabulary to describe and talk about our parents, no matter how bad they were. And let's exchange it with honorable words, honorable attitudes, honorable vocabulary without being dishonest about who they were. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to honor our mothers and fathers. And I thank you so much for giving me a mother and father that is easy to honor. But I know that there are many whose parents were not as easy to give honor toward. And so I pray for them that you would give them this desire to speak honorably in honorable tones and honorable words without ignoring the hard, difficult truths about their relationship. And I pray that they will desist, that we will all refrain from speaking in derogatory or pejorative terms ever again. It doesn't mean we can't be honest or that we can't give criticism, but it needs to be honorable criticism. It needs to be honorable and respectful complaint. And I also ask, Lord, right now that for all those children, grown or otherwise, who have been practicing this dishonorable talk, that you would put on their heart right now to ask you for forgiveness. And then from this day forward, may we honor the fifth commandment. Honor your mother and your father. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.